0: Hi, welcome to Off Script. I'm Zach Lewis. And I'm Dr. Draper. Today on the show, we're taking a look at the new Netflix animated family feature, The Mitchells versus The Machines, from the studio that brought you the Lego movie and Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. May be worth your time. We'll get into it. Uh, we're also taking a look at Amazon Prime's Without Remorse, the new Tom Clancy action thriller starring Michael B. Jordan as a a uh, beleaguered veteran with nothing to lose and everything to gain by shooting the bad guys, I guess. Uh, we're going to talk about a funny situation that's happened, uh, came up on TikTok, of all places, revolving around a certain Oscar-winning uh, short film from, from this year. Um, just going to talk about that in the middle of the show during our Death of Cinema segment. And before all that, of course, we need to get to the news. First things first, Alamo Drafthouse making a triumphant return. Andy, what the hell is this about? The movies are slowly coming back.
1: Uh, yes, I don't believe was, it. <laughs> there was an announcement uh, last week that uh, Alamo was going to be slowly reopening a number of their, their theaters uh, starting in May. Starting just actually this Friday, the Brooklyn location will open up, followed by Los Angeles and Austin at the end of the month. More in June, including the DFW area, Cedars, Lake Highlands, Richardson. Those are the ones that I've, I've actually been to. Um, Denver, Omaha, San Antonio, and in July, they will be opening the rest of their um, locations in Austin, uh, Dallas, which includes Denton, North Richland Hills, and Las Colinas, Laredo, Lubbock, San Francisco, Woodbury, which I don't know where that, that is, and
0: Yonkers. I'm very excited about this. For folks at home who may not know, maybe you don't live in a state with Alamo Drafthouse, it is a wonderful little independent theater chain that is rethinking the way people experience going to the movies. They do food, just like movie tavern or a studio movie grill, but also they run a lot of custom imaging. They, they put a lot of effort and personality into kind of how they design their theaters and, and what you see in your pre-show and post-show. Really cool customer experience. They got, they got drinks, it's a bar, and it's surprisingly affordable. I love going to Alamo Drafthouse. I'm stoked. My, my location's open in July. I'd love to try to go opening night, but I think it'll be nuts. I don't I don't know. How, how do you think this reopening is going to go? I'm
1: excited. I mean, pe- people are in- itching to go back to the theater, and I love Alamo Draft House, and I feel like this is really a big point in the direction of, of going back to normal be because the the small independent theaters like Alamo have really really struggled they've had to stay closed almost this whole time so it's a big deal that they feel confident enough to kind of open back up in time for the summer movie season so I'm pretty excited
0: me too I think um Alamo's doing it right I really do I mean not to say AMC and Cinemark and the others being open has been any kind of bad thing like I think it's worked for them um, it's been a bummer having to wait for Alamo cause I've really wanted to go back. Um, but they're opening, I think at a time when more people are getting vaccinated, people are feeling a little better about mask mandates. Like people are starting to breathe a little easier. What a wonderful time to come out and hit the pedal to the metal on the PR and the marketing and say, Hey, Alamo's opening back up. Come support independent theaters. Come support your favorite movie theater. Come check out Alamo. Like Cinemark and AMC had their swing at hey the theaters are open again come back and a lot of people kind of miss that boat if they come in now alamo can really angle this to people who may have missed that and might not know it's cool it's cool to go to theaters again well it's also that they're going to be
1: opening when the summer movie season is is hitting or right before it it hits it looks like june and july are going to be pretty big as far as new releases so they're they're
0: getting open just in time It's true. And I like that you're going to be able to order food and drink online now on Alamo. I think you, could you do that before? Was that an option? Yeah. uh, I think maybe they added it during the pandemic. Yeah. Like when it started to go down. Well, that'll be nice. Anyway, you can knock that out, get your tickets all in one easy purchase, grab your seat, and then your food comes right out to you. The the, the antisocial person may think that's a great idea. So uh, more on Alamo. For more on Alamo. Keep it here on Script. Next up. Marvel made some announcements. Very exciting things. I'm going to be honest. I don't really know all of them. Really, this came from a video that was released early this week about their their love for the movies, right? Is that what that was? Yeah, they released a video
1: um, kind of chronicling the, the Marvel journey of Phase 1 through 3 and also advertising new things to come in Phase 4, which we know a little bit of, but, but we learned a lot more about. So some of the things that we already knew were Black Widow, which comes out on july 9th um shang chi and the legend of the ten rings uh, which we saw the trailer a few weeks ago that comes out on september 3rd so those are things that we already knew and then some new th- new things are well we got to see some footage of the eternals just a little bit which is kind of their new property uh helmed by uh chloe Zhao. oscar winner chloe Zhao. oscar uh, winner chloe Zhao. And that comes out November 5th. And that's, again, we knew we knew that boat. Now we, we had a little bit of footage from that. But we got a, a big uh, number of new announcements for new films and new dates. Uh, so the first one that I think is new, Spider-Man No Way Home, which is the final installment, I think, in the... Uh, um, Pe- not Peter Parker, Tom, Tom Holland, Holland Spider-Man. Spider-Man, uh, Spider-Man yeah. No Way Home will be opening on December 17th, uh, 2021. Uh, following that, we have Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, which will open in March of 2022. Thor Love and Thunder coming basically a year from from today, uh, May 6th, uh, 2022. And then uh, we, we have some more. This was a big one, uh, the Black Panther th- sequel. Uh, will be called black panther wakanda forever and that will be coming out in july 8th so next summer 2022 and then uh the se- the sequel to captain marvel is called the marvels at et- with a stylized s plural uh coming out november 11th in uh 2022 as well and then also going into 2023 ant-man and the wasp Quantumania, kind of the third installment in the ant-man uh franchise and then Finally, or not quite finally, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, long delayed uh, from director uh, James Gunn, May 5th, uh, 2023. So that's two years from now. And then finally, we got a tease for Fantastic Four. No, no name, no title, no dates, but um, Fantastic Four did belong to 20th Century Fox, which was bought by Disney, uh, and that property has been notoriously bad and poorly adapted. And uh, they finally, it's into the Disney Marvel house, and will you know
0: be coming to us at some point. Man, um, lots of big announcements. I do kind of want to just get, you know, maybe our brief thoughts on some of these. Uh you just talking for a minute. So let me let me voice some some interest. Uh, definitely not a lot of footage in this video. It's all right at the end if you haven't seen it. It's it's like Marvel loves the movies, I think is the name of the video or something like that. Um, so you don't get a whole lot here, but it's just cool to see some logos. It's cool to see a little bit of footage even from Eternals. Um, you know that that stuff's neat I'm still interested in the properties they've already announced Doctor Strange and Multiverse of Madness has my eye like nothing else man I want to (laughs) know I want to know so bad what's going on in that movie um thor love and thunder looks cool i'm excited to see uh uh, natalie portman as as the mighty thor and christian bale in a marvel movie as the villain gore the god butcher that'll be cool black panthers wakanda forever obviously a big announcement i didn't i guess i kind of thought it was just going to be called like black panther 2 sounds like maybe they're taking a different approach i think that's okay Um, if you you notice they they stay away from things like a lot of
1: times like i like you know, Iron Man Two, one. Iron Man Three, yes. Yeah. yeah. They don't uh, do aside that. Aside from Iron Man yeah, they, just because it's um well the reason they do that is if you if you put if you name if you number your sequels, people feel like they have to see the movies prior. And if you don't, yes. they feel like they can kind of jump in.
0: Which, to be fair, I know a couple of people who haven't seen a lot of Marvel movies, and they 110% feel that way regardless. They're like, well, I've only seen four of them, and there's like 20, so I'm not caught up, and I don't go see any of them. But yeah, I I, I do understand the psychological aspect angling that way. I don't know. And, and plus, it leaves a bit of mystery, right? People don't know what direction necessarily Black Panther is headed now that uh, Chadwick Boseman won't, won't be in the next feature. So I don't know. Yeah, I, th- I think it, it, it lets people wonder a little bit. Okay, where, where are we going? Who's going to mm-hmm. kind of pick it up? you know if it's, anybody it's just, or is it a yeah.
1: right it's more it's just a lot more memorable like i can remember you know captain america the winter soldier and, and civil war i can re- there those properties are much more memorable than if they were just two and three
0: civil war also 100 should have been an avengers title but yeah i get i, I get avengers junior event uh, <laughs> yeah Avengers, uh, avengers diet avengers uh the marvels is exciting i'm gonna be honest i saw that i saw the co- i saw the 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 logo for this and thought oh no carol danvers is going to be a mom and have to juggle two baby superhero kids <laughs> and that's it's going to be the marvel family what what have they done to to uh, captain marvel but now somebody's quick to point out the s in the marvels looks like it's from miss marvel uh between the introduction of possibly a miss marvel we've got carol danvers as uh, uh, uh the captain marvel and then Mar- what's her rambo. name monica yeah monica rambo from wandavision doing her thing we got we got some heroes going on in the marvel. I like it all right yeah. we, got, we got some juice so the, you know good stuff otherwise I think these are all exciting yeah I mean what's crazy is that we still haven't really gotten
1: to phase four because everything that we've seen so far from Marvel well we had a year break because of uh, you know the end of end game um, and then we kind of had epilogue films like spider-man far from home is, is still kind of a tag to to phase three um, Ant-Man did Ant-Man in, in the wasp one, there's a couple of that came out a- after, um, I can't, I can't remember all of them, but uh,
0: yeah, I'm not sure. You know,
1: we, we haven't really, and, and even, um, black widow, like even though it, it's a prequel film, so technically it takes place, you know, within, the first uh, three Marvel phases. So we haven't really even gotten to the next stage, which the first movie will really be uh, Shang-Chi, which comes out in September. And then The Eternals is kind of the big one. But this is this, this is exciting because this is like being at the beginning uh, of Marvel when they were announcing all their titles. Because, I mean, we're just getting started. And when, right now we have two years worth of films.
0: Yeah. And I wish there was a way to kind of, they could angle that in advertising a little bit to let people know, Hey, if you didn't watch the first 22 Marvel movies, like you don't have to, you can kind of jump in here. You know, it's, it's like, uh, it's like when DC started doing reissues of comics way back when the new 52. And that's when you told me, Hey, if you haven't read any Batman, now's the best time ever to jump into Batman. And I was like, Oh, awesome. And totally jumped on the bandwagon. Um, I wish they kind of angle it that way too. We'll see, though. I mean, we'll we'll see. Yeah, yeah much more Marvel news coming down the pipeline in the future. I'm excited to l- find out more.
1: Yeah, it's a lot of movies. So in in six months, we're gonna have four like between July and December, we're gonna have six. <laughs> uh, sorry, four Marvel films. It's a lot. It. Yeah. So that, I mean, yeah. we're kind of and it's run together largely because of uh, the the pandemic. Um, but that that's how we are with Marvel stuff. Big announcement.
0: Yeah, big announcement. We'll see what's happening. But of course, the first one is Black Widow coming July 9th. And then um, we'll find out. I, I I feel like something big is going on in that movie. I, I just I just got a feeling. It feels like the first movie of Phase 4. It's got to be something unique, right? I, I don't know, but we'll see. And with that, we should probably jump out of the news and into our uh, first review. Andy's going to be taking the summary on this one. Andy, you feeling limber? How do you feel about this? I'm ready. All right. Andy, please take it away. Tom Clancy's Without Remorse. On your feet.
1: Senior Chief John Kelly is more dangerous and effective than any man we have in the field. So, this is the latest action, espionage, uh, government um, spy film. Without Remorse uh, from the Tom Clancy brand, uh, famous for such hits as Clear and Present Danger and Patriot Games from the 90s, also very heavily influenced in the video game world, lots of uh, things like Rainbow Six or The Division anyways uh our story centers on navy seal john kelly played by michael b jordan at the beginning of the film him and his team do a mission over in syria and after coming home the seal team is targeted by uh assassins there's someone cutting grass outside by the way so i'm sorry if that bleeds (laughs) oh i thought
0: you were talking about here i was like no there isn't i don't hear i don't i don't hear anything Uh, i'm not sure facebook can but Um, you sound good to me
1: so, anyways, the Navy SEAL team is uh, targeted by assassins. Several are killed. Michael B. Jordan, uh, he is made a target. His entire family is is killed, and he is uh, left for dead. He survives um, enough to, and, and go, uh, eventually goes after the, the people responsible and uncovers like you know a plot against America. Very kind of generic uh, plot, but a lot of good action scenes. A lot to talk about. Zach, what do you think? So I didn't like this movie.
0: Um, this this movie <laughs> is it's just okay. It's so, it just, it's so paint by numbers, dude. Like it I feel totally like, is. yes, like it, 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 che- you just watch the trailer and it checks every box for like what you would expect in a generic action military based thriller nowadays, right? You've got a, uh, a, a weathered veteran who has, has done a lot of bad overseas, but now is back home and is just trying to get away from it. You have a family who is of course going to be dispatched uh, just to upset this individual, You've, you've got bad guys from some foreign country who are going to dispatch the family to make the veteran mad and you've got a plot that's driven by a veteran who's angry that his family's been dispatched by a bunch of foreign individuals and is going to go extract revenge accordingly like it's just it 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 this one this movie feels long it feels overdone there's a couple of cool scenes I'll be honest uh there's a, there's a couple of neat things going on in this movie but overall like it just feels feels really bland uh, it just doesn't feel like it does anything new or different um, really bummed by this one. So let's talk about it right what's what's yeah. the best place to get started?
1: Well, let's go with our, our plot. Like I said, there's, uh, you know, elite SEAL team. They're all targeted by assassins. Michael B. Jordan goes on the hunt to see, uh, you know, who, who killed his family who tried to kill him. He ends up kind of going rogue, but then recruited. Uh, ends up back over, overseas. And everything is, is, is really generic. And like I said, it's like if you took a bag and filled it with words of the spy genre and just shook it up and just threw it out <laughs> yes. on us. You know? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yes. KGB fsb soviets russia syria navy terrorists extraction intelligence yeah it's it's ridiculous throw all that on and and that's an, an incredibly uh interesting genre but it's just so paint by number. It's so generic. It's so uninteresting. When the re- when the quote unquote reveals come, you're not surprised at all. You're like, oh no, I didn't realize he was actually the bad guy. Um, it's and it, and it's also you don't care. It's not an interesting um, you know the the plot to be discovered is not very interested um, either at all. So it's just it's n- just not very interesting. And and when I think of these kinds of movies, I think of much better versions. Things like Tinker, Taylor, Soldier, Spy, Zero Dark Thirty uh the hurt locker these kinds of more um it just deeper films that that are ask kind of more probing questions uh, the report was also came to mind which we watched uh last last year
0: yeah this movie is like a less thoughtful version of john wick like that that's that's really the big lean to and i know john wick is not in any by any means the, the first film to kind of follow this formula but this one like leans harder into the military angle because that's Tom Clancy. That was his thing. He was like a military espionage writer. Uh, this is based on one of his books, or say, without remorse of with the same name. That was his seventh book in his bibliography, um, which is early for Tom Clancy. Also worth mentioning, this is almost nothing like the book at all. Almost nothing. It, it is <laughs> very, very different plot. The the, the in, in the book, his wife dies in a car accident. And then he picks up a hitchhiker who's a chick and then the whole thing is about this hitchhiker who he really cares about like completely different completely different thing there's like pimps and a drug ring like completely different but whatever like the Am- Amazon has kind of taken this idea and flipped it it's 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 just so like I'm not even sure what direction I was headed in before I was talking about how different the book is. I was going to say his wife totally gets fridged. Yes, his his wife well, <laughs> fridged. Like yeah, yes. Yeah, uh, his his wife gets canned. He's super upset. The government's like, you can't do anything about it. You're 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 decommissioned. And he's like, I'm gonna do it anyway. I got nothing to live for. Yeah, I, it's just like oh, it's two hours. It's just too long. It, it it's just anyway. Yeah. Let's, well, let's talk about start, Michael B. Jordan. Well, like, yeah, I was gonna say that, that there are good
1: performances. Michael B. Jordan yes. is good. He's almost too good. He's like, he, yeah, he's always he's overacting a little bit, and it's like the story, the story and plot aren't worthy of what he's bringing to it. Um, other notable stars are um, Guy Pierce, who who plays a senator, uh, Jamie Bell, who's another um, Navy Seal person or CIA kind of director who's a little shady, and then Jody Turner Smith, uh, who was in cl- uh, Queen and Slim. Uh, from the other year. Really brilliant. Uh, She plays uh, a seal as well. And it's really, it's, you know, it's a good thing for representation. because You you often don't have uh, female, um, especially female people of color in these kind of Navy seal roles. So that's the, the, the cast is good. The cast is stacked. They're just not given a lot to work with. It's
0: true. You're totally right on Michael B. Jordan. He Mm -hmm. almost overdoes it. And the film does a really poor job of keeping up with him because it spends a lot of time with him being like distant. And his motivations become kind of unclear. Like at some point he kind of just explains to Jodie Turner Smith's character, who he kind of confides in throughout the film, that he basically has nothing to live for and doesn't care. And that's most of the movie. And it's like, you're an awfully uninteresting protagonist if you're just determined to die. It's 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 there's just not a whole lot there. Um, I think there's an angle for that, but he's just so like steeped in darkness and brooding. That, yeah, he, it, it almost oversells it. It's almost too much. And and that doesn't quite feel nuanced enough for what I think this could have been. Jodie Turner-Smith's great. Jamie Bell is pretty solid. And Guy Pearce is Guy Pearce, who I love in pretty much everything. Solid casting. Um, I, I do wonder if there was a mistake in the screenwriting. Because like I said, uh, this is based on a book. It's very different. Um, this this, this screenplay is written by Taylor Sheridan. Who's supposed yeah. to be like a god <laughs> among screenwriters, right? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I feel like the, the
1: uh, where this movie does succeed is in the action sequences, and I feel like the plot and script are just written to get us to the action sequences, which are really good. And I think that's worth talking about. Uh, there's an opening um, mission that's really good. There, there's you know, there's this kind of home invasion section, and then there's another. Um, Mission oh, oh that happens overseas and there there's a part where they're in a plane and playing uh where they have to escape kind of a dangerous situation on this plane which is also really good so the action stuff is is really top notch and that's where kind of the realism like they're all dressed in the gear uh, yes. you know like if you play like because I play PUBG I recognize a lot of their gear um, <laughs> yeah right <laughs> but like. <laughs> that that's the kind of stuff that does work well at the same time. Some of these action sequences kind of go on forever and they also feel a little meaningless because just like the pop plot is so uninteresting.
0: Yeah. And they all feel like they have to jump the shark a little bit, right? They have to try to outdo like the films that have come before them. There's a great, there's actually a scene I really like uh, towards the end of the first act of the film when, when, uh, Michael B. Jordan's character, John Kelly, uh, just most, most generic protagonist name. Uh, anyway, John Kelly, uh, wants to interrogate a, a particularly, uh, heinous individual. And he, uh, manages to get the guy's car stopped in traffic and then lights his car on fire with a bunch of gasoline. And then to interrogate him, hops in the backseat with him while the car's on fire. Um, and they have this very tense, like interrogation. It's in the trailer. Uh, it's really great. And yeah, like you said, there's the, there's the airplane scene. Uh, the the action stuff works pretty good. Like that that stuff works great. But man, everything around it is is just a drag. Like it just doesn't. And I don't. I'm not sure why. Oh, Andy's not on the stream. Oh gosh. <laughs> Andy, where'd you go? I can't carry this by myself. Okay, you know what? I'll just keep talking. Maybe he'll reconnect. It's just kind of a drag, man. Like, it doesn't really end up going anywhere. And and I know I'm, I feel like I'm talking in circles when I explain this, but... It's true. Um, I, I'm frustrated by this because of of the screenwriting, right? Like I said, this was Taylor Sheridan who wrote this. He's worked on films like Sicario and Yellowstone, the show, and uh, yeah, I'm not sure what else. But otherwise, he's been pretty praised as a screenwriter. And I feel like lately he's either just missing big, or maybe he just had a little bit of beginner's luck, and now it's not happening anymore because this one just does not do just does not do the job. I mean, I know I said the book is a far a far cry from what this is, but. Let's look at the facts. This movie is a former Navy SEAL who's mad at a bunch of Russian nationalists, right? Okay, goes goes to Russia, or, or I'm not even sure if he ends up in Russia. Yeah, he ends up in Russia, Syria. I don't. Some somehow he's in Syria shooting at Russians. I, I don't. I don't even know how that connection gets made, but it does. Uh, you know, he's he's overshooting at bad guys wearing his Navy SEAL stuff. Neat. The book. It's a guy shooting at drug dealers in Baltimore. Like, tra- taking out a big drug drug ring. I'm like, that's much more interesting. <laughs> much more intriguing. John Wick was good at that. Like, it's a, it's a much smaller story, and it makes it a little bit more intimate, makes it a bit more sincere. With remorse, Morris tries to put this fight on the world stage, and ultimately, it's just a bit of a miss. Like, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't, I just, I just don't care, you know? I'm watching a two-hour movie on Amazon Prime. I don't need this thing to be the end-all, be-all of what the future's gonna be. Andy's back. Andy, did you catch any of that at all? I, I did, yeah. I got cut Great. there for a second. Yeah. No, it's okay.
1: Yeah, like you said, it's just, it's so uninteresting. And it, I mean, I mean, yeah, I, even though there's all these action sequences, I totally get bored in the mm-hmm. middle of it because it's just, it, it, again, it's too long. Action sequences are good, but they go on for too long. And, and the, the story's just not interesting. You know, I, another, when I think of another thing that came to mind was Munich, which is also kind of a spy um, hunting down people, you know, who who committed an act of terrorism um and so much more and that i mean it's a very different very deep fi- film um you know that was like an oscar winner uh but this is just it's so bland so forgettable
0: yeah it's so funny you you mentioned uh, last night when we were talking about this uh you, you mentioned um the movie the report from amazon prime right starring adam driver um which is about uh him, him kind of yeah
1: the cia's interrogation program
0: Yes. Yeah. And him trying to kind of demystify like what's been going on around, declassify what's been going on around 9-11 and torture that CIA has been committing. There's like very little combat action in that movie. Almost none at all. You, you get a few flashes of some things going on in Iraq or Afghanistan and that's about it. Um, but somehow it's much more narratively engaging and interesting. Um, and it's not just because Adam Driver's in the movie. Like it's because it's, it's written sharper and it's it doesn't lean on like generic action from an action star. To be interesting. Maybe I'm over reading an action movie, but the fact is, like, this movie is just trying to be something it isn't. I feel like it should be more, like, I don't know, Arnold Schwarzenegger energy and less, like, captivating thriller political energy. It's so middle of
1: the road. Like, you, yeah, (laughs) it's either got to, yeah, up the camp and be a Schwarzenegger type film or just be deeper and be a more interesting spy thriller.
0: Yeah, I, I'm not sure who exactly they're making this for. Like, I feel like if my dad watched this at home, he, I, he'd tell me, Oh, I watched that movie without remorse. And say, I wasn't. It'd be like boring. Like, nothing really happens. It doesn't really go anywhere. Um, it's weird, man. Normally, I feel like when we watch a movie for the show, usually one of us does something relatively glowing to say about it. But this one, I just left a bad taste in my mouth. I don't know how that happens. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, any other thoughts uh, for recommendations? I mean, what do you. I'm ready. I wish I wasn't ready, but I think that's all I have to say. Andy, would you recommend Amazon Prime's without remorse? I'm gonna say pass. Um, no, no caveats even. Um, it's
1: just, <laughs> not, it's just not very interesting. It's boring. There's w- way more interesting things uh, to watch, and it's generic spy action thriller. You know, you can go to watch John Wick or, like I said, Zero Dark Thirty. It's just, it's not, it's not even interesting enough to like say. You know, save it for streaming. Like I would skip it for streaming.
0: Yeah, I'm in the same boat. And I wish I didn't have to feel that way. Like I feel like the people involved really, really cared about the performances. But like it's just, it's just bland pass, hard pass. Don't wait for streaming. Don't go look for it on Amazon Prime. Like, there's just nothing here going on that's particularly interesting. If you want a captivating Michael B. Jordan performance from something he's done recently, go check out like Fahrenheit nine nine one one on Fahrenheit 451 on HBO Max. Like at least that's different. Like at least that's something unique. There's something going on there. Or yeah, go check out something like John Wick or Zero Dark Thirty or The Report on Amazon Prime. Like there's just, there's other, there's other films and other genres that have done this so much better. This one's just, it's just real paint by numbers. So that's without remorse. Uh, With that, we should probably move into our next segment. Andy, you mind giving me a brief introduction? It's time for the death of cinema. Right, So this week on the death of cinema, we've got a particularly interesting, particularly interesting topic. I'm excited to kind of talk about this. I pulled it up in an article so we can at least see it. For those of you who are watching on Facebook Live, we stream the show every Tuesday afternoon at 5 p.m. CST. You should join us, follow the page, you know, keep up with what we're doing so you can see our smiling faces. Anyway, our death of cinema story this week is this. Cynthia Cow, a short film director, has suggested that Netflix's Oscar winning police brutality film Two Distant Strangers has copied her idea. Uh, in a TikTok, of all places, uh, I think Tuesday, last Tuesday morning, uh, Cynthia Cow posted a video of herself explaining that she had recently, or about four years ago, uh, directed a short called, I've got the name of it somewhere on here, uh, Groundhog Day for a Black Man. That's it. Uh, it's a short about a, a black man uh, in a city who runs into a cop and ends up being uh, I, I think being murdered uh, by the cop and uh, unfortunate circumstances afterwards, he immediately wakes up. It's that morning. And just like Groundhog Day, just like, uh, you know, the Bill Murray, relives classic, the day, Yeah, relives the day, runs into the cop again, has the same problem. He has to try to get out of this loop, right? That's that's the deal. It's Groundhog Day for a black man. It's in the title. Very simple. Um, Cynthia Cow was surprised to find, uh, after she published her short that, uh, now this entertainment who is very popular on Facebook and Twitter for their political posts and videos, you've probably seen them. It's a yellow logo. It's square. Um, now this reached out to her via email and said, Hey, we loved your short. We saw it. We'd love to post it on our channels as well. Are you cool with that? We'll, we'll, we'll boost you and credit you. She said, yeah, that sounds great. Actually get some awareness out. That sounds good. It's a really good message. So now this shares it with their platform. It gets a bunch of views on Facebook. gets a bunch of views on Twitter. And she doesn't think much of it. Well, Earlier last year, uh, she found, or earlier this year, um, she is perusing Netflix and she sees Two Distant Strangers, a new short uh, on on Netflix that looks uh, you know interesting. So she watches it, and it turns out it's got almost the same plot as her original short, uh, uh, Groundhog Day for a Black Man. What's particularly interesting about this is Two Distant Strangers is produced in coordination with now this Entertainment. Now, uh, upon being reached for comment, now this is claimed that they were in production with this short long before they ever bothered to reach out to her and that that can't possibly be related, that this is just coincidental. Additionally, uh, the writer and co-director of the short, Trayvon Free, uh, has gone on to say that he also uh, came up with this on his own. He didn't say that in response to this. He said that originally in interviews past. He said that he kind of created this idea on his own. This was his own thing. What's particularly compelling about this, and Cynthia Cow is not accusing them of of stealing her idea. She said at the end of the TikTok, she said, I'm not trying to point fingers. I'm just pointing out that this is coincidental. That's all. Um, what's interesting about this is Two Distant Strangers has now won an Oscar for writing and directing. Uh, and And the people who wrote and directed it have accepted Oscars and have posted about this on their Twitter and have flexed that they have really accomplish something, and, and, and perhaps they have, right? They're not the first people to come up with this Groundhog Day idea. The question is, Andy, what's, what's the deal, right? <laughs> so
1: it can be very difficult to prove uh, if someone has stolen uh, your idea. Uh, Disney deals with this quite a lot. Uh, I think the example I see a lot is um, Inside Out, the Disney Pixar f- film with these anthropomorphic emotional characters Um, many people have come forward and said hey I wrote a book that had that same idea and I wrote it and published it before Disney came out with their they've clearly uh, stolen from me Um, that happens a lot but copyright law is is a funny thing and it's very it can be very difficult to prove someone stole something from you and you have to Meet certain criteria when that happens. Um, First of all, publishing something is actually hurts you. It actually works against you. Most people think, well, if you published it and then someone else publishes it, you know, you've clearly done it first. But actually, when you publish something, that makes it publicly available and you're allowed to be inspired by existing works. So if, you know, if I make something that's similar to something that's already out there, that's okay. I'm allowed to do that as long as you're not, you know, doing ripping like character names that sort of things like if you're getting really really specific where you're directly caught you basically have to directly copy something and if you you're not um it can be very difficult because like i said you have you're allowed to be inspired Uh, the other thing is so you would have to not publish your work the other thing you have to prove that you were like maybe in discussions with said company so like Let's say I wrote a book and I had one-on-one meetings with Disney Pixar, and they were, you know, saying, "Yeah, you know, we want we're interested in your idea. We want to use it for a film," and then they just didn't. You know, they they said, "You know what? We're not going to use it." And then they go and and publish a film. That's exactly my idea. Something like that, you know, because you could prove that you had one-on-one meetings. But most of these, I mean, that never happens. No one, no one ever has uh, meetings with no. Disney. So. I don't. Unfortunately, I don't think. Is it Miss Cow?
0: Yeah, Cynthia Cow.
1: Yeah, I don't think uh, yeah, Cynthia Cow yeah, uh, uh, has a very strong case because it's, it's just essentially it's coincidental. And yes, it looks like it was. it's it looks like a direct rip off. It looks like they were very much in spot and you know took the idea and just made a much uh, higher production value version of it. Uh, but like I said, it. it may not hold up in court. This is a little bit different because the fact that now this news did reach out to her and that now this news is credited in the uh Netflix production. Rhetoric, yeah. That that might um kind of t- tie in a little bit more and again that's kind of where the courts will will decide um but but essentially it's going to be both sides are going to have to prove like when they created their ideas, when how they got their and Netflix will will never. I mean, that's that's the difficult part. Is the the person who steals your idea generally is not going to admit to stealing it or anything thereof or being inspired. Of An, so another not. Yeah. another good example is uh, Duke Kaboom uh, from Toy Story Four, the uh, uh, evil Knievel type character. Yeah, that, played that, by Ken Reeves. Yeah. Right, he was that character was obviously inspired by Evil Knievel, but at no point did they ever say that. They never said. Ah, uh, Keanu Reeves was sure to never say. You know, she just said he's a motorcycle stunt guy. And they never said, oh, he's he's an evil, evil, And they still got sued by evil, Knievel's um, you know, a, a state. But it's you know, just because things are similar doesn't mean you copied them, or doesn't mean that it will hold up to you know c- that you have a copyright claim. It's mm-hmm. very difficult to to win, especially against the big guys. Yeah, but and I, do, I think that. But I do yeah. think they ripped her. But I do think they ripped
0: her off. <laughs> Okay. Well, thank you for the editorial. Yeah. I, I don't think she's going to get anything out of this for sure. Like you're, you're absolutely right. Like that's just not how it works. And I, I'm, I've got some pretty liberal views on, on how that should work, but it's not the way it is in America. You're right. You're welcome to be inspired by anything. And the fact is she didn't invent the groundhog day idea. So if she could sue them for stealing that, idea, couldn't somebody sue her for stealing their idea. This, this is turtles all the way down. So yeah. There's no good answer. Um, and really, there's no way to know what exactly happened. I mean, it, it, you're right. It could be a 100% coincidence. There are five years difference between productions here. Mm-hmm. Five years. A lot of people come up with a lot of ideas in five years. Like, there's there's, there's a lot going on there. And the fact is Trayvon Free has been working in entertainments for, for his whole life. I mean, he was a writer on Comedy Central. He was involved with The Daily Show. I, I used to watch videos of him on YouTube like a decade ago. Like, he has been working at this for a really long time. So if he stole an idea to springboard into getting an Oscar, he either did a really, really good job or it just happens to be a coincidence. And right. the odds well, are it's probably a coincidence. Well,
1: yeah. Well, and the other thing is, like, we we have remakes all the time. You're allowed to remake things. Um, you know, what you can't do is copy things like character names... Or shot for shot scenes, which in film, that's very difficult. In music, that's a little bit more understandable. You can say, okay, this sounds exactly like this. You know, Katy Perry recently lost uh, a lawsuit because, you know, she she, she had like four notes and like only there was only like one note different um, and she lost the lawsuit. But but you can, you know, that's almost a direct copy. But in film, it's so much different because you have to, you're filming things. It's putting it on camera. Like there's so much variation. It's hard to to copy. And again, you would have to if you did things like, you know, if you tried to create a character called Batman, you know, <laughs> with a real famous name, that's that's the other other part. The other, finally, you have to show damages for a lot of the stuff. You have to show loss of income, loss of of money somewhere and unless you've actually like sold and licensed your your property and are making money off of it Again, you're not going to really have a, have a claim. It's like great, you wrote a book that no one's bought, so you don't really have any uh, like to stand on.
0: Yeah. And that's frustrating, I think for creators. Uh, I know there's stand-up comedians who get their jokes stolen all of the time, right? Like this is this is just kind of the way it is, and there's no good answer for it. Um, but also, you know, we wouldn't be able to have films like we do without this system in place. So I don't know. I, there's there's really no good resolution to this one, I guess. Um, we'll keep an eye on it just to see if anything pans out as far as it's concerned. But it's it's just an odd thing. It's an odd thing for an Oscar-winning short to immediately be Accused of theft. i mean, not not even really accused. Just just pointed out to have immediate similarities with something five years older. You know, and and maybe they didn't steal it, right? Maybe maybe it's just coincidence. But I mean, just 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 her YouTube video alone at the time of her posting that TikTok at 3.5 million views. That's not even including now. This is push on PR. So there are well over millions of eyes. Looking at that thing, Some, yeah. I mean, who knows? Somebody probably saw it, and and the fact that now this is involved is awfully suspect. You're right; that's that's very strange. Yeah, the the
1: best thing that she can do is you know try to create a negative PR campaign against Netflix or or now this news. Um, the, getting like the sympathy, get getting the public to see it is probably going to help her more than anything. You know, Dave Chappelle recently went on a big. PR thing about his show and comedy central and th- and it, it turned around and they, they paid him. So it, this is probably her, her best approach. Cause who knows, you know, she may not have a legal standing or much of a legal standing, but if she can create enough negative press for Netflix, that might, you know, m- maybe make them settle with her in some way.
0: Yeah. Well, keep it here on off script for more. I guess I, I oh. wish I had more to say about it. But one Sorry, more I have it.
1: Yeah, I had one, one more thing. So the other thing is like you can't copyright ideas th- themselves. You have to create some sort of like physical thing, like for instance a script, or if you film uh, a movie, or like you got to write it down somewhere and then copyright that thing. So the, just like the generic idea of like Groundhog Day for a black man, which is just the title. Um, that's just an idea. You can't copyright it. She can copyright her film. She can copyright her script. And if those things are copied, she has a claim. But it, the idea itself, you can't really copyright.
0: All right. So what if I jot down my idea and I make it an NFT
1: and then I <laughs> oh, trade geez. it on the
0: blockchain? Put, put it on the blockchain. That's right. Hey, there, that's mine forever.
1: That's, there, there was another case where someone um, get, uh, pitched a movie idea on Twitter and a studio actually picked it up um and then that person sued and wanted to get paid They said hey this was my idea they took it and uh they lost because it was like well that's great that you had the idea you didn't do anything with it you didn't make the movie right. you didn't create the script you didn't
0: you know you got ain't a intellectual, ain't intellectual property grand man oh man it is anyway Never share I'm your I'm, great ideas that's right i'm glad we have a marketplace of free ideas that we can uh exchange freely i guess um and make money on anyway that's the story. Uh, there's not a whole lot to it. It's just odd. Just an odd thing to happen. So we thought it might be worth highlighting and, and a good lesson in copyright law. Andy's right. He knows this stuff way better than I do. There's, there's been way too many instances of this in our lifetimes where it's, it's worth worth keeping an eye on, I think. Yeah, and without and it, yeah, go ahead sorry right. and,
1: sorry, <laughs> sorry. And, and a lot of people just don't understand uh, copy a lot of the nuances of copyright law. they just yes. you know again think, well I, I I published this, and then someone else made a movie about it, and it's clearly all these similar things, but again, that doesn't mean it's stolen, that doesn't mean you have a copyright claim.
0: It's true. Myself included. I'm no, I'm no copyright expert. Andy, Andy has, has mansplained this to me a number of times and I will continue (laughs) to ask because I don't get it, but it's the way it is. Anyway, we should move on to our final, uh, final review of the episode. I'm going to be taking the summary on this. So please excuse any clumsy deliveries. The movie is Netflix's The Mitchells versus The Machines. Is that a burnt orange 1993 station wagon or is it? ah, Who are these unstoppable warriors? We're the Mitchells,
1: the only people who can save the world. I'm
0: super sorry, everyone. So The Mitchells versus The Machines is the story of Katie Mitchell, a quirky, just about to go to high school girl who's excited to be going to film school in California. She has a brother named Aaron, a little younger than her, loves dinosaurs. She's got a mom named Linda, first grade teacher, a little stressed out. She's got a dad named Rick, who's an outdoorsman who just does not want to live in the city. The four of them are a very nuclear dysfunctional family, right? Uh, Self-proclaimed in the film. But uh, on their road trip to drop Katie off at college, some things go wrong, and suddenly they find themselves in the middle of a robot apocalypse. And suddenly becomes and suddenly the Mitchells are humanity's unlikeliest last hope for survival. Uh, The movie has a lot to say about technology and family and staying together. Originally, it was a feature called Connected that was supposed to come out in 2020 from Sony Pictures, but it got picked up by Netflix after the pandemic, kind of shut it down, and they didn't know where they are going to release it. They changed the name from Connected to the Mitchells vs. the Machines. Uh, I'm excited to jump into it. Oh, and one more detail before we get into it. It is made by the studio who produced the Lego movie and Spider-Man of the Spider-Verse. It is produced by Phil Lord and Chris Miller. Uh, Lots of big names behind this one. Andy, I'm excited to jump into it. What did you think of The Mitchells versus The Machines? So I watched this in
1: two parts, and when I started it, uh, the first half I I really couldn't get into. uh, It seemed really generic. You have this kind of dysfunctional family who doesn't get along, daughter's not getting along with the the father going off to college. Reminds me a little bit of, of Lady Bird. Um, and then this machine uprising happens really quickly, and you know there's a lot of cheesy jokes. I wasn't really into it, but the second half of this really turns around, and I and I really liked it. Then there's a lot of good gags. There's a lot of funny jokes. Really good an- animation, really interesting animation. There's the, a lot of this that I was like, wow, I wish I could have seen this on the big screen. It would have been re- really cool. You know, it's the opposite of Without Remorse, which I couldn't have seen it on a smaller screen if I wanted to. Um, so in the end, I ended up really liking it. And there's, uh, like I said, really good writing. It's it's funny, good voice acting, and really great animation.
0: It's funny. I'm in the exact same boat. Uh, the first half of this movie does not work great. The second half? gangbusters works awesome um, and it, it was unclear as to why that was it's just under two hours an hour 54 um, I, I did the same thing I didn't watch it fully in two parts but I stopped it half at about an hour in to go to the bathroom and I was watching it with Christine and I told her I said I don't know where this movie's going she said it's a, it's an animated family movie it's pretty easy I'm like no I mean it's it's just been jumping through so many hoops I didn't understand where it was headed so Let's jump into it and talk about our plot. Uh, this movie has a lot to juggle, just just off the top. I, I think I mentioned it's a CG, CGI animated film, right? Uh, fam, family feature, so we know what we're getting into just so you have a picture in your head if you're listening to the audio podcast. Um, we open with Katie, right, who wants to go to film school. She's quirky, she's weird, she's different. Then we get her family. They're all quirky. They're all a little weird. They're all a little different. They don't really talk to each other. They're all on their phones all the time. Then we get a quick slide over to like, Essentially Google or Apple or Tesla or Amazon, what is supposed to be like this giant technology company that runs the world with their phones and their search engines and their cars and and, uh, it's called PAL P-A-L, and and they're debuting a new type of robot. It's like a replacement for smartphones, Um, but things go wrong and these robots turn evil. And then we get back to Katie and the family and, oh, she's going to college tomorrow. And and her and her dad had this weird fight. Then we go back to the to, to the tech company and they're figuring stuff out on their end and the robots are bad, what do we do? Then back to the family, oh, we're going on a road trip. Then they go on a road trip, then the robots take over. It's just a lot. And that first hour is like a real juggle. It's a, it's a lot for, for a kid's movie to kind of pick up and run with. But once we get into like the robot apocalypse proper, then it's great. Then you're getting like solid gags. Our family has motivation. They're sticking together, trying to save the world. They're trying to get to the miss- bottom, this mystery of this robot apocalypse. That stuff's all good stuff. Uh, Andy, I, what, what do you think? Am I doing okay with the plot so far? Is this no, so I, 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 I
1: agree. There, there's a ton going on. The, the robot apocalypse happens very quickly, like 20 minutes in, into the film. The dysfunction of the family, like I said, is feels really generic. It kind of takes a while to find its footing, but but when it does, um, it's really good because like the uh, the sisters not get along with the dad or the brother, but the, you know the mother's trying to facilitate all this, and they're you know they're and they, throughout the film they're working through these issues, you know, because they eventually they realize their issues, they don't want to like you know not have a relationship, they get some help from outside sources and very painstakingly work through through their their issues kind of resolve things meanwhile saving uh saving the world and there's a lot of like i said a good a lot of good tech gags if you're a tech person you you work on websites or a programmer definitely uh i think laugh at a lot of it um, there's also a lot of old humor like there's this whole thing involving furbies which uh if you didn't <laughs> grow up in like the the 90s you may not know what a furby even is which uh, yeah it was this this furry doll thing that was uh, back when there used to be huge, um, like every Christmas there, there would be one huge toy that everyone just wanted. It was impossible to get. And one Christmas it was uh, the Furby, and somehow that stuck around in, in pop pop culture.
0: Mm-hmm. I there, there's definitely a, like a wide variety of gags here. I think obviously being a family feature, you're trying to cater to both like the adults and the kids, but it also tries to thread that needle with Katie. Being a kind of audience angle, I think they're going for kids that are in high school, just like everybody, right? We want the young kids, we want high school, college kids, we want parents. Everybody can enjoy Mitchell's versus the machines. That's the idea. But it 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 almost misses the mark a little bit. At least in that like, at least in that first half. I, I was bumpy. I didn't laugh a lot. I was like, man, it's just trying to spin too many plates. We we got too many motivations and too many plots going on here. But when all that gets pushed to the side for the metalocalypse then we're back on board and we're in a good spot. Um, It definitely has a lot of great writing. Uh, I was, at least in that second half, uh, and then some good stuff in the first one, a lot of good gag writing and, and beat for beat stuff. I was surprised to see... Uh, for any fans of the Cartoon Network show Gravity Falls, I don't know, we've never talked about it on this show before, but if you've watched it and you've seen it, this was written and directed by two writers and directors of that show. And Gravity Falls, Andy, if you don't know, is is kind of a, a, a very cult cult acclaimed show on Cartoon Network for being uh, kind right. of odd and quirky and different. But watching this and knowing it's written and directed uh and starring a chunk of the gravity falls team it almost kind of makes sense it starts to fall in line like oh now i get why this is offbeat and now i get why this is kind of different and in a way now i feel like i understand some of the the character animation which we'll get into in a second um that made a lot of it fall into place for me because i like that show a lot uh i'd be curious to see if any listeners have watched and had gravity falls in this if you have right into the show and and tell us if you know anything about that because i yeah. i don't know
1: yeah, there's a wide variety of of kind of of humor and, and gags. You got family humor. You got tech humor. You know, the dad is not tech savvy. The daughter is very tech savvy. There's a whole thing with uh, their dog, uh, Munchy. Munchy, Ma- yeah. Munchy, where the dog... There's a whole thing where the dog can't see straight. It's like has a lazy eye and... Um,
0: <laughs> this movie's and, ableist.
1: Yeah, and, and it's also... Um, the dog is also the star of all these short films that... Um, uh the oh, katie Katie mitchell has made grown up uh called uh, cop dog um which are actually pre- a lot of little asides uh, movie within a movie that are that are pretty funny overall it definitely begins uh to work the longer it goes.
0: It does. There, there's some, like I said, some clumsy gags at the beginning. The parents definitely have some, like, cringe their humor, which I couldn't tell if that was the point or not. There's there's a particular gag uh, about, about through halfway through the film where the dad reveals that over the years, he has gifted all of the members of the family a certain brand of screwdriver. And that's, like, I think it's supposed to be funny. I, I, I was watching, I was just like, all right, they all have screwdrivers. Neat, you know? Like, that's, I think it was supposed to be, like, just stuff like that that's kind of offbeat. And then other times, you've got these... Uh, robot characters, and I do want to talk about the technology for a second, that'll say some kind of pun or technology related gag, or they can't get on the Wi-Fi, or something. And it's timed in such a way where it's really effective. And and, and that's something I want to talk about, the technology angle of this, because that's a big part of it. On the one half of this movie, we have a dysfunctional family who's trying to come together. On the other half, we have a scathing criticism of like wokeness and technology (laughs) and what it means to be connected uh, to your phone all the time and to see the world through a camera lens as Katie does um, it's definitely some interesting messaging around that, and, and, and a little, and a little bit. I felt it was it was trying to tell kids to put their phones down, but at the same time, it was encouraging parents to pick them up and 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 and, and connect with your kids in the yeah. platform wh- Relate, where they're fellow able. Kids. You know? <laughs> it's right, yeah. The future's now, old man. Um, <laughs> um what, what did you think about that? N- no,
1: the, the the it's interesting. Well, because you're watching, like you're using. Your streaming technology to watch a, a digital film, and then tell, telling people to get away from screens—it's kind of weird mix messaging. But it's also we have to remember that this is really aimed at a young audience, and I would say probably a little bit younger than even the Lego Movie. That's why we get some of this this humor—that's I think a little um kind of seems a little dumb or a little cringy to us is probably hilarious uh for kids uh and and the messaging about you know take a break from your screens it, it's very plain and simple because like i said it's a- aimed at younger audiences
0: yeah and it, it does some clever things later in the film like i said when it when it kind of gets going um there's a great scene i was telling andy about at the end of the movie that i really liked when um you know, the, the families kind of come together and and they're like, well, we, we, we see each other and we, we understand how each other works. And then one of the, one of the kind of the robot overlords pulls up like their internet search history, uh, and looks at all of their videos and, and videos Katie has made and, and statuses they posted and, uh, the AI explains to them like you're all faking it. None, of, none of you are real. You're all dysfunctional. You're all trying to act like you get along, but really you don't. And this is how you really feel. And it's really profound. It's a really profound moment from this movie to, to step back and, and say, hey, no, what you post on the internet matters, and 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 how you present yourself may not be real. How other people present themselves is probably false. You know, be yourself. Everybody else is already taken. It's a, it's a surprisingly profound message for what most of this movie feels like it's gonna be. And that's when I think it's important to remember who made this movie. This is the Lego movie, and this is the Spider-Man and the Spider-Verse, two films that otherwise have been uncontestedly, fantastically received. I mean, I I remember walking out of Spider-Verse thinking, this is some of the best animation I've seen in a decade. And this movie definitely tries to go that way with the animation. It's got a very unique style. And And any thoughts on that before I jump in on my hot takes on the animation?
1: Yeah, so you know we get we get a lot of just you know CGI type animation, a lot of action scenes, but we also have overlaid through while characters are talking and thinking are just kind of two D hand drawn uh, things that pop up again a lot like into the Spider Verse that gives it a very different style because it's very much a hand drawn aesthetic as opposed to just purely CGI.
0: Yeah, that that was a really interesting angle. I I didn't love it. I felt like it lacked some kind of confidence. I don't know. I I, I really like just kind of the basic animation without without the hand-drawn stuff laid on top, which is cool and adds adds some really good visual flair in moments of speed and depth. Um I, I wanted to highlight how great I thought just kind of the standard Computer animation is under everything. The humans in this movie, the Mitchells and every other human, they're incredibly imperfect. All of their heads and shapes and silhouettes are misshapen. Nobody is perfect. I mean, even down to the pupils of their eyes are not perfect circles or ovals. They're 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 angled a little bit, and they're just a little jagged, and they're just a little... They're not quite cut out right. Meanwhile, the robots, perfect lines every time. Everything is ge- geometric. Everything is square. Everything comes to an edge. Everything is very, very very particular. And it's a good visual distinction. Uh, Not only do we have that throughout our film, uh, between animals and people and robots and anybody else interacting. Additionally, once we start to get to the end game of of the movie, when we're getting into the robot compound where the robots are made, all of that, you get some really, really stunning set design. Uh, One of the characters in the film comments when they get to like the the robot overlord place that, that this looks like the cover of a journey album, And it does, and it's incredible. I mean, you get these brilliant neon colors that are lighting our scenes, these reds and blues and teals and magentas um, that are very reminiscent of Spider-Verse, but really, really visually striking, really stunning for for a, a, you know, otherwise animated family feature. Um, Really fantastic work. Great, great visual timing in the comedy as well. There's a lot of jokes that only work visually on screen. The audio, you know, audible stuff, great. But seeing a character emote how they feel really matters, and that's something the studio has done brilliantly twice. I think they succeed again here. It's the writing, really, in Mitchells and Machines, that I think, hurts it. Right. I was going to say that the the animation
1: is so good, and towards the the like the third act, it's like no holds barred, and it's you have these giant action sequences, uh, fight scenes, car chases, explosions. Uh, there's a big thing in, in a mall that that's really. I mean, there's a lot going on, and it's just like a little overstimulating. and that's why I said, like, if if this were in a th- in in a theater, I wish I could see this in a theater because the animation would be really incredible and really overwhelming. This was originally supposed to come out in theaters, but because of uh, the Pandora, we
0: <laughs> it got sold to, sold to Netflix,
1: um, as did many films.
0: Yeah, um, so let's talk about the cast real quick, and then I want to talk about why Sony sold this movie. Uh, so the cast is. Pretty good. Uh, They're not particularly outstanding. There's a couple standouts. Uh, our, Our lead, Katie Mitchell, is played by Abby Jacobson from Broad City. If you've watched that show on HBO, Danny McBride plays the father, Rick Mitchell. He's very exciting. Maya Rudolph plays the mom, Linda Mitchell. Uh, Eric Andre plays the the woke tech CEO who's like 25 and is convinced that robots are going to take over the world. Uh, Olivia Coleman, uh, Academy Award winner, plays Pal, our, our female AI. She's like Siri, I, I suppose. And then we get a couple of uh, uh, SNL stayovers as a couple of robots, Fred Armisen and Beck Bennett. As as a bunch of these robots that run around, and then a ton of cameos: John Legend, Chrissy Teigen, Conan O'Brien, Blake Griffin is in this movie. Um, <laughs> Alex Hirsch, creator of Gravity Falls, There's a couple of podcasters that got voice roles in this movie. Like, really, I love, um, I, yeah, I love that the dog is credited as Doug the Pug. Right. Well, Doug the Pug, naturally, of course, uh, playing Manchi. Um, everybody's pretty good. Nobody's great, I don't think. Uh, I, I think, honestly, I think the people I like the most were like the robots. Olivia Coleman and Beck Bennett are both great. Like, they they feel very flat, but also like an emote when necessary. Uh, the Mitchells, you know, they're solid, eh, pretty good, but they're not supposed to be anything incredible, right? They're only human. So uh, what'd you think, Andy? Yeah, the, the standouts are definitely
1: Olivia Coleman as pal um she's probably probably has the most recognizable voice but, yeah and like you said the mitchells are are fine i thought it was really funny so chrissy Teigen and john legend who are who are married in real life uh play a, a family and they're kind of the perfect family uh very functional and like communicative and all all these things so it's funny that they're playing a, an on-screen animated uh couple a, as well
0: yeah bad p- pitch perfect casting um i want to know at least your theory before we wrap up this review why Why did Sony sell this movie? Because the pandemic's an easy answer, but I'm curious if you have any thoughts deeper. Do do you think they thought people wouldn't go for it? Did they get scared when they were running this by test audiences? Was it too different? What do you think? Well, also, this was supposed to
1: actually come out in the fall, um, so we're way after its you know its window of, of opportunity and yeah they could have could have waited but you know these things have a shelf life and you're just losing money the longer it sits on the shelf so mm-hmm. and and also you know the the, pan, the pandemics are it's trying not to say synonyms the pandemic right. uh, was it's very uncertain it was very uncertain for a long time and we kept opening theaters then closing them opening and closing them and so it's like you know. The uncertainty is is difficult. It's difficult to plan for. It's easy to just sell to Netflix. You get you recoup your your costs. You get it out there. You move on.
0: Yeah, I guess that's true. I, I couldn't help but watch this at least in that first hour and feel like you know what? Maybe they got scared because I just feel like if you put it in front of test audiences, they would have felt the same way we did. Just be like, it's kind of funny. I'm not. I'm not really sure where it's going. Like it's it's a little confusing how every character is motivated because there's the college thing and there's the getting back together with your family thing and then there's the robot thing and then like it's just a little all over the place. And, and I wonder if there's a longer cut of this movie. If maybe they just trimmed it for time. I, I don't know. I, I do feel like there were a couple of a, 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 at least one particularly glaring edit I noticed in the movie. Um, it's a little I,
1: long as it is.
0: It is, yeah, it is a little long for sure. Um, I, I noticed uh, it just about short of two hours. Third, About two, yes, about two thirds of the way through the movie, uh, there's a scene when the robots are explaining that they've designed a system to launch Americans off the uh, Americans launch launch uh, Earthlings or launch humans off off planet Earth, right? Just just send them somewhere else. The robots aren't going to need humans, in, in the in the utopia they're going to build, right? And they, they frame it around this goofy commercial that's, li- that's like Robot Airlines or something. I, I don't remember the name of it, but it says, it pops up with a banner right at the end of this commercial. It's like Robot Airlines coming coming 2020. And like, there's a voice line for it. And it's like, Robot Airlines. And then it just fades out real fast and cuts away from the banner. And I was like, was that an edit? Did you guys do that? Because this movie is supposed to come out in 2020. That seems that seems particularly timely. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. I, I I feel like this movie ultimately... In some weird way, hear me out. I feel like it lacks a little bit of the confidence that into the Spider Verse and Lego movie had. It's just missing something. The directors Michael Randa and Jeff Rowe they they've done some they've done some episodes of Gravity Falls. Neither has ever done a feature. This, this is writing and directing for them. I feel like it just missed a little something. And I don't think that's bad. I, I think this is a good effort by them and a good effort by the studio. But it's a little like. It's a little like one of Studio Ghibli's lesser known films or like a Disney Disney movie that didn't quite make masterpiece status. It's very good, but its I don't feel like it's as good as its predecessors for sure. Yeah, it's good. It's not great. It, yes. I mean,
1: Into the Spider Verse is a masterpiece. That was like one of my favorite movies of the previous decade. Right. Um, r- really incredible animation, but sto- more importantly, storytelling. Really powerful. Um, and the Lego movie, so much fun. So. You know, a huge hit, huge surprise. Uh, so the bar is is really high, and this, but this is still really good, I think, in its in its own right.
0: I do too, and I'm excited to get to recommendations. Andy, would you recommend Mitchell's versus the Machines?
1: Absolutely. It's a lot of fun. It's funny. It's entertaining. It's a little slow in 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 the beginning. It gets better the longer it goes. Uh, it's fun for the whole family. Good for the kids. Um, and it's available on on streaming. So it's, uh, definitely highly recommended by me.
0: I'm in the same boat. Uh, I totally recommend this one. Great for date night. Great for hanging out with the fam. Great for the kids. Like this one feels really good and even keel all across the board. I'm glad it's going to be in Netflix's library for a while. This is a good one to go lean back on. Add it to your watch list. If it's not, if it doesn't catch your fancy, if you listen to this review and thought, ah, it looks okay, just throw it on there. And you never know. Maybe on a rainy day, you'll give it a shot and you might see something in that first hour. We didn't. Uh, it's not, bad Uh, it's not a bad hour for sure but it's just a little a little disjointed but it gets going once once they get in the car and hit the road things pick up real fast and it goes in a really good place and ultimately i think has a really satisfying emotional conclusion just like their previous two films did spider verse and lego movies so with that being said Andy, i think that wraps our show do we have anything else we got to talk about i think that's everything well hold on what are we watching next week
1: Right. So next week we have a new in-theater th- in re- release, which is uh, Wrath of Man, which is a new action film by Guy Ritchie starring Jason Statham as a uh, armored truck driver who's uh, going after bad guys who killed his son. It's a revenge drama. It actually reminds me a little bit of re- about Remorse kind of one man army style yeah. of John wick guy. Ritchie does really good. Like this is his thing, these kinds of action movies. So I think it'll be good. And Jason Statham's always uh, fun, you know, you're going to get good action. Um, the other thing, because there's not a whole lot of new streaming releases, we're going to be taking a look back at Bram Stoker's Dracula, the 1992 film, uh, by Francis Ford Coppola, starring Gary Oldman, Wynoma Ryder, Anthony Hopkins, County Reece. These are all still big names. It's amazing. Um, that's playing on HBO max, um i watched this again a few a few weeks ago and i was like man this movie's really like it's got so much going on it's there's parts that are so great and bizarre and then other choices that are really like head scratching um and it was kind of a staple of early early 90s uh film but that's available on hbo max so we'll be watching that
0: I'm definitely looking for, at least mildly looking forward to Guy Ritchie's next film. Uh, It's not called Without Remorse, Wrath of Man. God, dude, we got to talk about movies with bad titles. Both of these are just so meaningless. What do they even mean? Um, without remorse and wrath of man. I mean, good Lord. There's just no character to what they're, to what those are. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm at least excited about Guy Ritchie's next film. I wasn't too impressed by the gentleman, right? That was his last one or really uh-huh. Aladdin, but I'm i I'm a Guy Ritchie diehard man back, back since like lock, sock and two smoking barrels. I love what that guy does. So hopefully this one is a good return to form for him with some action. We are not watching Bram Stoker's Dracula because Andy watched it a few weeks ago. We're watching it because I've never seen it, and I know it's a big deal. I've seen the memes. I've seen the memes, and I'm excited to check it out. Well, also, especially,
1: how, yeah. especially, well, it, it this movie just... Uh, so. You know, growing up in the early 90s, there used to be like pay-per-view ads on the time. And so the thing is they would just cycle the same like three or four movies all day. So yeah. I remember at one point just seeing like the preview for Bram Stoker's Dracula, which I shouldn't have been seeing at like nine or ten, um, just play on, on repeat. And I remember it just being kind of a big deal, you know, kind of a Dracula epic. serious, uh, yeah. Yeah, Francis Ford uh, Coppola and you know you got Anthony Hopkins, County Reeves when he was he was a hot, hot and just first starting out in his career. doing the Same worst thing.
0: British accent you've ever yeah. heard.
1: Same thing with Winona Ryder, Gary Oldman. It's just like it, it was a kind of a cultural milestone of uh, almost thirty years ago. Um, so I'm excited to kind of take a look back. Some things have stood the test of time. Some things have not. <laughs> but, yes. have waited, but there's it'll be a lot to talk about. I think.
0: Yeah. And speaking of things that have stood the test of time, if you have stuck with us all the way to the end of the show, thank you for listening. Sincerely, we appreciate it. Uh, If you liked what you heard, uh, do us a favor, hit that subscribe button. Right? That, that Down there below wherever you're listening to podcasts. Maybe above or to the right or the left. I I, I don't really know where you're listening to the show. We're available on iTunes. We're on Spotify. We're on Google Play. We're on iHeartMedia. We're, we're in all the usual places you get your podcasts. So if you have the means, just drop a subscription. Be doing us a big favor. And uh, if possible, leave us a rating and review too. That would be huge. It would help us a bunch. In fact, uh, rate and review all the podcasts you listen to, not just us. It's a big deal for us podcasters. helps us out a bunch. If you like listening to the show, you can follow us on Facebook where we live stream the show every single Tuesday at 5 p.m.-ish. CST. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or on YouTube where we post our live streams. And of course we post all our episodes on audio as well, wherever you can get them. So do us a solid and uh, you know, subscribe to the show. It'd mean a lot. Also, you can write in. I know I mentioned that earlier during our, uh, I think it was during Without Remorse, I was talking about that. So, if you want to write into the show, you can email us at mail at offscriptfilmreview.com. You can drop a comment on Facebook, Twitter. You can DM one of us on either of those sites or at offscriptfilmreview. Uh, offscript Got it. Almost anywhere you go, uh, you'll find an account for us and you can check us out there. And, uh, you know, let us know what you thought of the movies. Let us know about things that you're excited about that's coming up. If you got any hot takes on the Two Distant Strangers controversy for the Oscars. Uh, Maybe we totally missed the mark on Without Remorse. I don't know. Just, Just weigh in. Engage with us a little bit. I promise we will more than likely read your correspondence on the air. We love talking to listeners. So thank you for listening. Without further ado, I'm Zach Lewis. And I'm Dr. Draper. Thanks for listening. I was supposed to say uh, the, the off-script film review, the home of Bolt Cinema, the Draper, Zach. I'm oh listening. my God. Perfect. <laughs> Thanks.
1: Got it. <laughs> Got it. Ah!